With an MBA from Indiana University Kelly School of Business, Valerie Grubb is an operations leader with an ability to zero in on the systems, processes and human capital issues that can hamper a company's success. Val knows how to develop existing employees, recruit new talent, form cohesive teams, all critical for long-term organisational growth. Val started her career in aircraft engine engineering, having gained a mechanical engineering degree from Kettering University. Author of Clash of the Generations, uh, Managing the New Workplace Reality. Welcome, Val. This is an important book. I can refer, I can recommend this book to everybody listening to this podcast who is a people manager because it's so rich with all the different tactics that a manager can use to develop the capability of their people. So before we go into those specific tactics, I'm interested to know you started life as a mechanical engineer working on uh, aircraft uh, engines and then you then you got your MBA and you've moved into um, developing employees and recruiting new talent and forming cohesive teams. So firstly, what mistakes do you, have you observed people managers commit in the workplace? Oh, goodness. This book's so important. Wow, where to start, right? Um, I think I think the biggest one that I see, and I think this is very commonplace, is that you can't be infallible. You know, you can't be vulnerable. You can't come back and say, "Well, I don't." That's a great question, but I don't know the answer. But let let's go find out together. And instead, there is this idea that once you become this people leader, once you start to manage people, now I have to know everything. And that's not the case. In fact, to be honest, I, I want to be surrounded by really, really smart people who are smarter than I am. And my goal is just to be there to help them develop and do what they need to do. So I don't need to know it all, but I need to know where to find the answers. And I would say that it's that allowing that vulnerability allowing, thinking that we can't be in fat or that we have to be infallible. Like I just, I would certainly say that, like I said, once you become the boss, you think you got to know it all. And that's so not, so it's just so not the case. And of um, course, it's, a, it's a limiting belief, number one. Oh. And number two, it's not taking into account the employee experience, the point of their point of view, because surely you, you are, complimenting them if you invite them to share their opinion say this is the dilemma let's let's work on this together so you go to your people with questions rather than with answers absolutely because otherwise why you know that that's the point is that you're you you know you as a leader are supposed to involve them invite them in to exactly like you say to solve dilemmas to solve challenges and it also it comes back to ownership. If I'm a part, if I'm told this is what I need you to do, then I'm gonna go do that. And, 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 but if I come in and say, gosh, here's the problem, what do, how do you think we should tackle this? Now they're a part of it. Now the solving it becomes just as much their goal as mine. And that's part of how we motivate people um, because it, it's also, it's just wonderful to be ask my opinion that's recognition that's showing 
the fact that I matter, that what my voice has. Just, I'm not guaranteeing I'm going to go down that road, but I can tell you that I want to hear what it is that you're saying. Because and, I, and, and we have to do that at all ages. We have to do that at all ages. Sometimes we get this idea that it's only it's only the folks who have more experience. No, no, no. You do that of the folks who just graduated because they've got a whole different set of eyes and, and we want to take advantage of the best ideas. And I don't care who it comes from. Exactly. And if that becomes your way of operating, people won't see it as you, you not knowing what to do. They'll see it as you developing their capability, which is your the true work that a manager should be doing in the workplace. Yep. Uh, my goal, I mean, this isn't this this whole conversation right now about servant leadership, is that your job as a leader is to come in and say, how can I help you do your job? My job is to help you do your job better, get you the tools, get you the skills, get you the whatever it is that you need so that you can go off and be the best at your job. And, and, and if we, it's sort of that employee first attitude. And, and if we approach it from that manner of how can I help you? Uh, how can I be a better leader for you? You're going to have loyalty, motivation, better engagement, all of those things that help companies succeed financially. Now, you've been writing some blog articles lately about strategic thinking. Um, what's your current thinking around that? Strategic thinking is, uh, I, it's, it's definitely, I would say, one of my big passion projects right now because, and I think that it's important, particularly right now, because we've been for the past year in this tactical mode, almost like a survival mode. And now we got to step back and come back and see that, all right, we're through this. We've kind of survived in the short term. Now what's our plan to thrive in the long term? And that includes, again, thinking out of kind of stepping out of that day to day and getting back to sort of looking to make sure that we're going in the right direction, not just solving like today's problem, today's problem, today's problem. And I love the work on strategic thinking because this is really, it, to me, you know, we can all solve problems. We can all be firefighters solving a problem, putting out fires day to day, but it's that person who looks and recognizes, you know, the trade-offs of short-term versus long-term. The person who thinks about what the decision, what my decision, how that's gonna affect a year from now or five years from now, and the things we need to do now. Look, it's, we're, we're seeing that, remember we used to talk about 2030, like labor shortages in 2030, and it's like 2030's here. Like, what have you been doing to get your staff skilled up to meet the new needs of the customers? Um, and, and those who haven't, there's the world's just littered with companies who were on fire and now they're done. Like now yeah. they're obsolete because uh, yeah. they just, they were down into the tactical thinking. Yeah, um, yeah. So, it, so is it, so how can a manager raise their, point of view from fighting fires because you hear it all the time i'm too busy fighting fires yeah but yeah you've got to have time and space and headspace to be thinking about the future should they be reading is there a book they should be reading is there a, a, a practice that they should be doing every day what what do you suggest well i definitely i think i will i want to call out the fact that that nina you hit it on the head you need time to be strategic 
And you really need time to, because it is a different, like this is about thinking differently, not acting differently. It's taking a moment and thinking differently. And even things as, as, as rudimentary as, you know, when you get up in the morning and make your, and sit down at your desk and you make your list of the things that have to be done, kill anything that's not part of the strategic plan. That's not part of that 20% that's going to drive 80% of your company's profits. Get rid of, like there's stuff that just now needs to sit and sit for a, for a later day. And we, because there's only so much time. And I do believe that working from home does take more time. It, it can be more challenging to get questions solved, to get information. We have to meet with our employees more because we can't just stand up and do it ad hoc. We have to be much more deliberate um, on managing our people and making sure they have what they need. So in the absence of gaining more time, we've got to be way more efficient with the time we have. And so I'm a big believer that it's about seizing control of your schedule. So I just want to point out that you really hit the nail on the head with that. Um, and then beyond that, I think there are some amazing work out there. Like I'm a big proponent of, you know, of, of Harvard Business. Like they are just writing some amazing articles. Um, I look at McKenzie, Harvard, Stanford's doing some really incredible stuff uh, of getting you to like PwC. Like there's some amazing stuff that's already being out there that, that is talking about how to get you out of short-term thinking into that long-term thinking. What are our gaps now? Where are we now? But where do we need to be five years from now? Where do we need to be 10 years from now? What are our strengths and weaknesses? What are the opportunities and threats and how we should spend our time focused on those and be nimble. Like that, that's the one thing that I hope we don't go back to after all of this is over. We've really had to be nimble in this past year and, and pivot and change and, and react to what our customers' needs are and how we can deliver our services. But we need to keep doing that. Um, we need to be, and yeah. there some earlier episodes, uh, recent episodes in this podcast where I've uh, interviewed uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers representatives and EY, Ernst Young. Uh, oh, yeah. They're all bringing reports about reimagining the workplace and the future of, of work. And this, these are the, the, the reports that people managers need to be reading. So they're I would agree. with current, you know, best thinking. And we need to do, you're absolutely right, because we can't, like there are, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, but what we do need to do is, is go outside of our comfort zone and push ourselves into, you know, becoming, you know, continuously learning, continuously reading beyond what your day-to-day -day is. One of the things I always suggest, so I, I speak uh, every year at the big SHRM annual conference, Society for HR Managers and their national conference. And one of the things I talk about is what's your CEO reading? What is, you should be reading that. What is your CEO reading? And do, you read the Wall Street Journal so that you, you're look, you read the Wall Street Journal, you read the New York Times, you read the publications, you read- Harvard e Business Review. There are- Yes, exactly. You read these things to that see. come in daily. I'm reading yeah. those, yeah to see where the world's going and how you need to adapt to meet those needs. And that's, you know, if you're in 
you know, if you're in, if you're in transportation, this whole idea of electric cars or self-propelling cars that are generated with sun, like this is something you need to know about whether you're an HR manager, because this directly affects your people uh, because, because the technology is driving so much. So we can't have this hands-off approach that, oh, that's somebody else's job. No, it is to be a great strategic leader. To be a great leader, you have to be strategic. And that includes really understanding how your company makes and loses money. What comes in the front end and goes out the back end to your customers and understanding that end-to-end process. So I always suggest, what's your CEO reading? Because they're looking to understand the business. But then get out of your office. Go down and follow your process. Follow whatever it is that you do. You need to know that front and backwards so that you can then come in and reimagine it for what's going to be needed in the future to continue to meet your customers' needs. Um, I mean, I did you guys have Blockbuster? Well, we we used to. <laughs> you do, right? Right. All right. I wasn't sure if that was. I, I you know, I'm not I, sure. I was in America, so that's where I saw it. I'm not. I can't remember. Okay. Where. So oh, yeah. I mean, but think about any. I'm sure that you had. You know, insert whatever name of whatever video. Yeah. You know, DVD providing service there was. That's right. And certainly in the United States, Blockbuster was in every home. They had like 98% saturation, some ridiculous amount yeah. of saturation because it's the only way you could get movies. They never should have allowed Netflix to smoke them and start doing like they, but, but they said that this model is perfect. And now there are people on this call listening to this podcast going, I have no idea who that is because they, because they're gone. They were obsolete. And yet they were, they were, they were the, they were the company. Be very they were, careful if you're a monopoly because you may not remain a monopoly. Very hard. Very, I mean, I mean, look at all of the, you know, apps and, and social media sites that are competing with Facebook that are competing with, you know, you're, you're only on top for so long anymore before right. stuff. And, and particularly with how to deliver products. I mean, I, I'm look at the social responsibility. Uh, I, I mean, you've got to think about where I'm buying this pen from because if the country I bought it from and distribute it to my clients, it, you know, if, if they're exploiting child labor, that directly reflects on me. So it's just the, the responsibilities anymore are just so changing. And that's why we have to get outside. It's not enough to just be good at your job. You really have to understand how your job fits into the larger picture of the organization and how it achieves its objectives. And part of the larger picture, you talk about clash of the generations. We've got a new generation coming up, Generation Alpha. Yep. What they just keep coming. <laughs> they keep coming. They keep coming. Um, you know, I uh, the it's so different. I mean, it is so different, and I think that this is once again just a great opportunity to test yourself as a manager if your employee wants to be called they versus her or him, or and not whatever. be shocked by that. Right. It, uh, 
you know, okay. I now teach that in business writing that the trend is to use that they and be safe and you're safe. Yes. And not, not to question it, just do it. Don't go to your shit anymore. It's they. Do it. If you're focused on outcomes, if you are focused on outcomes and what you're asking the employee to do, does it matter if you want to be called Bob, Susie, they, them, her, us? It, 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 just, it just really shouldn't matter. I remember at Oxygen, so I helped to found the women's cable channel, the Oxygen channel. And um, yeah. we, um, I, I remember we interviewed, this was our head of finance, our CFO interviewed a, a woman. And when she came in, fabulous interview, very excited to have her on board. And he calls me up and he's like, oh, oh, get up here. And I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? And between the time that she hired, accepted the job and came in, she had dyed her hair blue, like a very bright, vibrant blue. And he's like, oh, I, this is unacceptable. And I'm like, has her skill level dropped? Has, has suddenly you think that the color of her hair is going to change her ability to do the job? And it was interesting. The moment I said that and he said, no. And I said, then do you really care? And he said, no, I don't. He goes, I have no idea why I just called you up here. Um, but isn't that our first reaction is, wow, this is really different. I'm afraid. I don't understand it. To where instead just coming in and asking, is this affecting the outcome of how, is this affecting the outcomes that this person is, is here and responsible to do? And if it's not, you know, I think that we got to make sure we're focusing on the right things as people leaders. Absolutely. And that's part of being strategic is being nimble. And it's, it's, it's on everything from product line to being able to manage our people and, and allowing, oh my goodness, we can't allow people to work from home. No, we can't do that. We can't be efficient. And now we've just done it for a year. That's right. Uh, Because it was all based on lack of trust. And yes. now we were forced to trust our people. And guess what's happened? People are actually working longer and are more in danger oh. of work, uh, burnout than ever before. So absolutely, lack of trust coming from. It's, it's right. not and I, anything. Yeah. And I think, and we have to watch this in this hybrid environment that we don't go back to that. Yeah. Because a lot of studies, Stanford just, gosh, Stanford published a study uh, that showed that we are way, this bias towards people, bias towards what we can't see, meaning that we are biased to employees who are in front of us versus an employee who's at home. So we, we expect employees who are working remotely or working out of the office, we expect them to be immediately available when we send an email, but we don't expect that of employees in the office. There's this like we expect, um, you know, we just have so much more off the wall expectations of people who work remotely versus those who are in the office. And, and yet employees who are outside, they were talking that they're 13% more productive and yet 50% less likely to be promoted um, because of the fact the thought is, is that they're blowing off because they're at home. It seems so to I, me that there should be a little bit of onus on uh, anyone listening to this who's uh, an aspiring manager and not yet a manager is to make your work more visible. And one way to do that would be maybe just to send a little email saying, 
a little summary of today I achieved this, achieved that, did this, did that, and just send it, even if it's not asked for, just send oh, I it. I recommend it. I highly recommend that, Nina. If you're not doing that now, you need to start immediately. And I, I do it weekly and I make it very clear and concise, three bullet points, the biggest things that were accomplished. Not, yeah. not I did this and I did that. Like every job's got tasks, but what's the big meaty stuff that your boss cares about? Put that in. Here's what I'm working on. And then I'll keep, maybe I'll put a list down at the bottom, you know, big meaty projects that are still on the list so that my boss knows I haven't forgotten something they've told me, but yet it's very quickly reminding them of the accomplishments that I'm doing. And I recommend, and I would agree with you, don't wait on your boss to ask you that. You should do that now. And let me tell you to go back when you do uh, your performance review or have discussions, it, it, you're pulling up a year's worth of accomplishments. That's right. Yeah. Because and, you're, and you're, you're summarizing it as you go. In fact, uh, when I when I had a large team, I, in, I asked all my... Uh, sales reps to send me a today's results email and I would just uh, compile them and list them and it's like it helped everybody understand the, what they were achieving and what they were working on and uh, I found it enormously valuable so uh, it, and it, I think it helps as a manager to not micromanage yes because there's a tendency to want to my if I don't hear and by the way if I don't hear from somebody in a week one of my employees I can tell you I'm going to get antsy. So I have, for me, I have weekly, I have weekly meetings on Mondays. They're 15 minutes. Yeah. They send status reports on Friday, quick status reports. We right. talk on Monday and then I have a team meeting on Monday. That's half an hour. This yeah. way it's manageable for them. They've got my undivided attention right. um, and, and they can get questions answered. But if I don't hear from an employee by the end of the week, I like, don't, uh, don't have me get antsy. Don't make me wonder, send me a, if I know an up, a status updates coming through on Friday, I never need to talk to you unless you need to talk to me. Um, because it's about, I, I do have a built-in trust that you're going to keep me posted on what's going on. And it's good for you that you can show, wow, I'm really, I'm really kicking ass and getting stuff done. So everybody wins. And I would say to just be proactive about that. Don't make your boss ask, give it to him or her or they, and, and make it easy for them to see how productive you're being. And then I think people will get off your back. I, I, I think this is really important what we've been discussing about making your work visible. And if you are a manager, surely you, you're wanting to get into the C-suite well, you want to you want to do your own emails going up and absolutely invite your people to send emails to you in that way or whatever summary you're going to do but it, at least with an email it's in writing and of course yeah. we've got the the online meetings or the face-to-face -face meetings to to actually discuss it yeah so it's all about um i, I we're sort of coming to the end of our time and i'm really no, <laughs> keep going forever <laughs> I know. we try and keep it sort of under 30 minutes for, so it's easy for people who are listening so what advice do you have around maybe uh developing the capability of their people or developing their own capability what's your best advice to them i definitely if you're a people manager now i would say you know focus on career development and 
have conversations, consistent conversations with your employees about what they want to accomplish. What do they want to learn? Sure, you want to be CEO? You betcha I'll help you. You know, I had, That's it. had yeah, you know. If That's you what you want to be here. You want to find out who I, wants to be in the C-suite and not see it as, oh, they want my job. I have to keep them at bay so they don't take my job. No, your job or your, your focus should be on your next promotion. Absolutely. You, they won't promote you if there's no one behind you that can take right. over. Well, my whole thing was, is sure, I'll help you be, you know, at, at Oxygen Media, we had a tremendous amount of millennial, um, you know, 56% of our organization were millennials. And my comment was, absolutely, I'll help you be CEO. It's not going to be at Oxygen because there's about 50 people in line if anything happens to Jerry Labor. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you how to be a CEO when you start your own company, and then you can come back and hire me to work for you. So if you stick with me, I will guaranteed teach you what is involved in being not only a CEO, but being a good CEO. Well, and this is amazing. You're, think, you're saying that you, a manager should really be inviting their, their young staff to focus on becoming a CEO, even as a, a perhaps a, a young graduate or someone new to the workforce. Absolutely. Why wouldn't they? Like there's more, there are more, this, this latest generation are starting more companies than any other previous generation starting it younger. And that's, you know, the chances of them being a CEO very early on in their career is pretty strong. And, and very likely, and what I want, like I said, I want them to, uh, it, you know, it's a two-way street. Like, I want them to think of me if they need a dynamic operations person when I was in a corporate role, um, as much as I want them, I, I, I don't know, you know, for me, pe leading people, being a manager of people is a privilege. Uh, because... For a small amount of time, you have the privilege of helping somebody develop their skills and be, in many instances, maybe be even better than they thought they could be. That is such power in your hands. And I think that we have to take that very seriously, which was the impetus for the book, because we have to embrace the power that we have as managers and use that for the good. And it'll make you a better leader. You'll have employees for life. People will be clamoring to come work for you. And, you know, and it'll elevate you because when, you, when you're surrounding yourself with people who are amazing employees, it just makes you look like a rock star. And so uh, there, it's a win-win all around if we can focus on helping employees grow their careers. And, you know, as a, as a Gen Xer, I'm somebody I know, I, I have a strong handle on where I want my career to be. And I'm really good about going after that. So don't leave yourself out of that, even if your boss is not great. Uh, focus on what you need and figure out how you can sell that to the organization that's helping elevate your strategic chops. Well, Val, it's been absolutely delightful sharing your wisdom and uh some really uh top-notch content in there so thank you for uh, your time today and uh i look forward to meeting you sometime at a conference uh in the years to come
<laughs> I can't wait, Nina. We're way overdue. Yeah. <laughs> Today we've been speaking with Val Grubb on the Manage Self Lead Others podcast. I'm your host, Nina Sunday. Remember to subscribe and listen to Manage Self Lead Others wherever you get your podcasts. Something new. Let's start a two-way conversation. You can ask a question about any one of our past episodes. I'll go ask that expert for you. Go to speakpipe.com forward slash manage self lead others. Leave your voice message or look for the link in the show notes. Ciao for now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.